If you're not reaching your financial potential, you're going it alone as a solopreneur, or you're lacking fulfillment and meaning in your life, then this podcast is for you. In each and every episode, Rock helps you create breakthroughs and results so you can live life on your terms. So get ready to unleash more money, time, and magic in your life. Here's your host, Rock Thomas. You've probably heard that you are the average of the five people that you hang out with. Today, I want to encourage you to stop and reflect for a moment. Who are you actually spending your time with? Are these supportive, encouraging people that are motivated action takers and that share a common dream to live a life that's full and fulfilled? Or are they more unhappy, unmotivated, and stuck and pulling your energy, energy, energy vampires, as we like to say? Or are they somewhere in, in the middle? Either way, whoever you surround yourself has a, has a ripple effect on the results in your life. So the good news is that surrounding yourself with high-achieving, motivated, happy people that, that are moving toward the best version of themselves will affect you and accelerate your success. How do I know this? I've been running mastermind groups for over eight years now, and I see it day in and day out. The most important element of your success is who you surround yourself with. So what are you doing about that? And that's the whole point of this show, listening to people that have a different perspective, people that are successful, people that maybe you want to get to know and reach out to, give you their contact information. However, when you're ready to truly start your path toward financial freedom and fulfillment in your life, then find out what mastermind fits for you. All you have to do is to go to rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call, rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call, jump on a call with one of my directors of opportunity, and then find out if it's a fit for you. Welcome to another session of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. I'm your host, Rock Thomas, and I have a very special guest. You are in for a treat this time. And Hazel Ortega is an unbelievable soul who's gone through some crazy stuff. You can hear some of it firsthand. You've got to get her book, which is really, really cool. It's called From Bounce Checks to Private Jets. And we're going to hear a bit about that story. Welcome to the call. Thank you, Rock. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I think people are going to have some of their limiting beliefs blown out of the water when they read your book and when they hear your story, because uh, I've met a lot of people. I've interviewed a lot of people. And as I read your book, I was like, holy smokes, you know, this is this should be turned into a movie. It really should be. Uh, have you thought of ever doing that? I do already have a movie offer and welcome even more. Wow. What do you, a movie offer? So are you in the negotiations or what? No. So I got the movie offer and the offer is low. So we're doing other things to make it be a 10x offer. Okay. Okay. You mean the, the amount of money they're offering you for the rights to it? Exactly. Okay. Is it is it a um, South American uh, or is it a Hollywood or... It's a producer in Hollywood, and okay. I've also gotten uh, Latin American uh, producers want to do a series, like a Netflix series, mm. in Spanish. Yes, <laughs> that I could see too. Totally, totally. A, a novela. A, a, right. A soap opera. <laughs> do you want to? Here we come. <laughs> yes. 
So um, I read your book. I, I know a lot about the story, but I think you should take us back a little bit to share with people, um, you know, a little bit like right from from virtually the, the, the morning, the, the moment you were born, things started to happen right out of the gate. So why don't you take us back on, on some of the parts that are highlights for you or lowlights, whatever you want to call them. At the beginning of my story, my parents are immigrants from Mexico and they met in Los Angeles and they were very young teens when I was born. And so by the time I was born, they were already separated. And I was, uh, because I was being born, my mom called my dad and she was afraid that I was gonna die because I was so sick when I was born. So he comes to the hospital and they get back together, you know, spending this time bonding. And then shortly after that, I get released from the hospital, maybe a week or two weeks later. And my parents drive me to the park with their friends to celebrate that I was finally out of the hospital. And it was cold. So they wrapped me in a jacket and decided to leave me in the backseat of the car while they were drinking and hanging out outside the car. And when it got even colder, one of my dad's friends reached into the car and, and pulled out the jacket to cover himself and not realizing I was in that jacket. I came flying out and tumbled all, all around the ground. They had to take me right back to the hospital where I was again hospitalized. <laughs> Then these were my parents, and that's how my life started. Uh, soon after that, my parents separated again. My dad was uh, doing drugs and had no steady job. He was cheating on my mom, and my mom didn't want any of that nonsense anymore. So she left him about in two, two years later. And I, I, I wrote about it a little bit about it in the book where uh, she left him on their wedding day. Yeah, so she is a, wanted to have revenge on him because he treated her so bad. So finally, when he did say he wanted to marry her on the day of the wedding, they got married and then they didn't move forward to the party. She told him, I just wanted to marry you because you said you'd never marry me. And from that point forward, they were they never were, were together again when I was two years old. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it gives you an idea of my mom also. So my dad and my mom never back together. My mom remarries many times after that. And we grow up in a very poor neighborhood of downtown Los Angeles. We have a 60 unit apartment building. And my mom, each time she marries, she changes apartment, but we always stay in the same apartment building. So it, this uh, affected me greatly growing up. Every time my mom married somebody, it felt like I had a father. I wasn't telling them, you're my stepfather, you're not my father. You, they felt like fathers. And it was a big breakup for me, which as an adult, you deal with these feelings, right? So if you're not going to deal with them as a kid, you, they're going to come out when you're an adult. And so my adult life has been about resolving those issues of, of people loving me and leaving me. And uh, I write a lot about that in the book and how those issues impact my adult relationships, my business, uh, all areas of my life. And I was completely blind to all of that until I started doing work on myself. Uh, but going back, uh, we grew up in this uh, very dangerous neighborhood where drive-by shootings happened almost every night. My best friend was killed when we were just 12 years old by gang members. My cousin was killed in a drive-by shooting. My other cousin was killed by the police. And my dad was always a heroin addict until the day he died. 
And he, if that's not even enough, I, I read in the book that my mom shot and killed her boyfriend as well when I was 21 years old. So all of these uh, dynamics really uh, made it so that I didn't believe that uh, that I could have a good life and that I was destined for a life of poverty, just like everybody around me, just like generations before me. That is the story that I had to overcome, which is what I call in the book, your sob story, right? Like that, that story that you get to use so that you don't dream big and that you can stay small and people feel sorry for you. And that's, you look at my story, right? I could, that could have been my story if, if that's all I wanted, but I wanted more. So I began to change the trajectory of my life. Well, you had plenty of reason to have a legit sob story. You're not talking about being bullied at uh, the schoolyard, uh, right? You're talking about uh, raising your siblings. You're talking about struggling for food, uh, not being able to get to school. You're hiding from gang members, police, changing, moving, having, you know, being beaten, uh, threat, living in massive uncertainty almost always struggling, having to learn how to steal, hide, cheat, lie, um, and just to survive. And all of this happening from virtually the moment you were born, being dunked in ice baths, and it's just, it's incredible. It's mind-boggling to me that you're not a heroin addict, you know? <laughs> um, so I, you don't say in the book, but I'm guessing that you went to probably a landmark seminar? Yes, I did. I changed my life through education. So at first, because of the neighborhood being so uh, dangerous, my mom never had any goals for us around education. Her goal was to keep us alive. As long as she could do that, she she was happy. We didn't have any guidance in school uh, uh, to go to college. At least it didn't arrive to me and I didn't inquire either about going to college. And I just started working right away after high school and I didn't even finish high school. I started working. I was working as a secretary in a workers' compensation law firm and I became an injured worker. I was 26 years old and earning $15 an hour. And if you ask me what I, you know, what was my future? I said, my future is going to look just the way it does right now. I'm going to be here for the rest of my life. And I thought that that was as good as it gets for me until I was injured. And then here in California, if you're injured on the job, as one of your workers' compensation benefits, you have the opportunity to go back to school and the insurance company pays for your education, at least a part of it. So that was an option for me that was presented and my doctor and my boss that I currently worked for told me to go back to school. I went back to school, I got my high school diploma at 30 and I became a psychologist by the time I was 36. But rock, like becoming a psychologist didn't, didn't change my life, right? Like, you know, going to college, they teach us how to do a job. It doesn't teach us how to live a quality of quality life. And I was a psychologist 36 years old and fist fighting with my sister, who was a police officer. We, we, we were both just had so many issues in our lives and we didn't know how to resolve them without force and without violence because that's how we grew up. And we thought that that's just the way it was. 
And it wasn't until I actually was invited into a landmark seminar, a personal development seminar, that I saw that I could change my life. Uh, I was in a relationship with the person that I was dating told me that I that I sh should work on myself. <laughs> <laughs> and because he mattered and I wanted my relationship to work, I, I became curious and I signed up. And Rock, what ended up happening was I took the seminar, I got out of the seminar, and I the first thing I did was break up with the boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I felt when, really different about myself. Right. When you grow, the other person has to grow along with you. Otherwise, you know, you, you're not going to be able to have the same values, same ideals, same way of coping with situations. So that makes sense to me. So how, how long ago was that? You said when you were 36, you took the landmark? Yeah, 36. So I would say about 13 years ago. Yeah. And so there's been... So up until 36, it was mostly survival. Um, you raised you raised your siblings. You you worked as much as you could. You you basically you know you bounced checks. You had you had you know all kinds of adversity, but you found a way to survive. Uh, you know, nonetheless, you had your father coming in and out of your life. Your mother went to prison, um, and. Today, you now have a thriving, well, thriving businesses, and you don't have to work because you have enough passive income coming in. Uh, where is home for you now? I live in Southern California, Orange County. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what work-wise, you help a lot of people that went through similar situations you did, correct? Yeah, in one of my businesses, we are the largest workers' compensation vocational return to work counseling agency. We help people that have been injured on the job find find school and then jobs. And not just anything. Our tagline really is like, you know, find a job you love. You know, I growing up the way I did and I know a lot of people in my in my economic status, you don't dream. You just get a job because your cousin works there. Right. Because you need the money. And you can stay at that job forever and never know that there's more and better out there for yourself. So when what we do in our business, that's a little different. We don't just find you school, but we actually inspire you to see possibility where you can't see possibility for yourself. And, and that is across the board, I think, with all my businesses and in my own personal life. That's why I wrote the book. And that's why I'm showing up on your podcast so people can see possibility yeah. where they didn't see possibility before. So how do they find you? How do they know about you? How do they learn about you? My personal website is uh, themasteryofmiracles.com. And that's where if you order the book from that website, it comes autographed. And then I also have a free visioning guide at that website, themasteryofmiracles.com. And there's a free visioning guide. It's a four minute, really cool visioning exercise. And then there's worksheets that you can download and fill out. I have all of my clients do that and it's free. You don't have to do anything for it. And I think you should sign up for it as well, Rock. Mm -hmm. uh, this is specifically the most powerful tool that I used to have the life that I have today is creating my future. So before I was a victim of life, everything that happened, I was reacting to it, just reacting. I had no idea that I was living that way until I realized I have choice 
And then I realized I could dream. And if I could dream it, I can have it. And so when I did this visioning exercise, at the moment when they asked me, when are you, you know, where are you gonna be in five years? I couldn't say anything. I couldn't say, it was like Groundhog Day to me. Every day looked like the day before. Problems, you know, more bills and more, you know, traffic and uh, more of the same always. While I was sitting there and I couldn't come up with anything for my future that would look any different than that particular day, I was stuck. And then I said to myself, well, if I believe in God and I believe in miracles, then what is possible for me? And when I prompted myself that way, I was able to see a future that was unrecognizable to me. I saw myself having a $3 million plus business. At the time I was under 300,000 and I started my business from the garage. So I was working really hard and efforting and really not moving the needle. So it would be a miracle for me to have a $3 million plus business. I also said I wanted to have relationships with my sisters that looked like we were in heaven. And Rock at the time, like I told you, I was fist fighting with my sisters. So I envisioned that I would have a life, that relationship with my sisters that looked like we were in heaven. And then also I said I wanted to have an extraordinary life. And I envisioned private jets in the in that life and and then a pimp daddy mansion <laughs> and um, the love of my life. So I basically designed all the areas of my life that mattered the most to me, my my family, my career, my love life, my lifestyle, just all of that. And I and then I drew it. And one day when you come to my house, Rock, you'll see I have it framed in my dining room because if you look at it, you know that that is my life. And it happened just because I believe in miracles. Without having created that vision, I could not have it. So it, it yes, I did clean up my act. And that's what I write about. You have to clean up your act to be a conduit to miracles. But having a vision, what, you know, your vision if I say I want to I want to have a relationship with my sisters that look like we're in heaven and in real life, I'm arguing with them and fighting with them, then that's incongruent to the vision that I created. And I'm present to that. So prior to to that, I didn't have a vision. I didn't know what I wanted. Therefore, it all's good. It all comes. You know, I'm I'm fist fighting. I'm arguing. I'm gossiping. I'm having this life that I don't want, but I don't know how to get out of. But then I don't know what I do want. And this vision process to me, I think is the most powerful. So I definitely want to share it with, with you and the listeners and everybody else, you know, share it. Yeah, beautiful. We'll put, we'll put the link in the show notes so that people can go there and that they can have that experience. We talk a lot about the fact that clarity creates power. When you're clear on what you want and you give energy and attention and focus to it, then you have a much better opportunity to attract and create it than if you don't. That being said, is a lot of people still doubt whether it's possible because they don't have any references, they don't have any experience, they don't maybe know millionaires, they don't know where they could live or what job would create or what business would create that for them. Talk us a little bit through how you bridge that gap from, from 36 years old, taking the seminar and then creating or attracting the life of your dreams. 
when I talk about that, yes, you're right. So I couldn't say I wanted a pimp daddy mansion, the kind that my friend has, because I don't have a friend that has right. a pimp daddy mansion. <laughs> so I said the kind in music videos. Well, okay, so getting clarity, I, I said I wanted to make $10,000 a month. That would have changed my current situation that I had, which was that I was at a negative in my bank account, even though I had my own business, right? I, I kept myself broke. No matter what stage you're in and finances, you can keep yourself broke. I didn't know how to manage my money. So what I did was I set an intention. I want $10,000 a month. That would be a good, a good thing for me, for my family. And then I applied this concept that I learned called the power of zero. So you add a zero to the number. And so it quickly became $100,000 a month. Well, that was my intention. That's, you know, it was scary. It was, you know, I, I totally relied on miracles. If I believe in miracles, I, I can make $100,000 a month. And I wasn't quite sure how that was going to happen. My Because your brain is not wired to make a miracle happen, it didn't do that thing that it does and tell me that it wasn't possible, right? And so a miracle is none of your business how that happens. But what did happen is that my brain started to see what my life could look like if I had $100,000 right, a month. And so it, it allowed it to happen. Therefore, I was looking for ideas and things to fix in my life versus being like, that's never going to happen. And I have no action. It didn't give me access, you know, it doesn't give you access when otherwise. And so here I was thinking, I'm going to make $100,000 and, uh, and what is my life going, going to look like? Soon after, I was getting opportunities for starting new businesses. And somebody came to me and said, you're really good at what you do. And I'm really good at running Fortune 500 companies. Let's start a business together. And we did that. And I attracted that person. Before I knew it, within eight months, I was making that amount of money without having to put $1 in the bank and without having to work harder. That is what happened to me. Having a really high vision creates really big action. And my big action was that this, you know, to meet with this man who I had been avoiding for two years because it occurred to me that it was going to be a burden and not worth the meeting. And until I'm putting it two and two together, that once I did have that big vision, I was open to a lot of possibility. And I got that opportunity and I was ready for it. And I wasn't afraid. A lot of times people do come to us and give us opportunity and we're like, you know, no, that person, you know, that's not for me. I'm not that kind of person that can invest the money, all the money they have in the bank. A lot of times that's what it takes, right? For us to risk. Sometimes, you know, you go to the edge and you're uncomfortable, but most people don't, won't do the things that are uncomfortable and won't take a risk. And that's what I've been able to do because I, I create the big vision and, I, and then I have like intuition that this is going towards my vision or away from my vision, right? And so it creates like all of this clarity that now I attract only the things that I want. It's really interesting. People tell me, oh, you must um, get pe people must want to borrow money from you. Um, 
there must be all these scammers and you're so busy and uh, you never get to see your family and all these things that they think are come with this lifestyle with this life that I have, but it's absolutely the opposite because I'm really clear about what I want. And so I don't attract negativity. I don't bring it, it's not in my space and I don't have to kick it out. It just doesn't come because that is how clear my vision is. Wow, so it sounds so simplistic when you say it. So I'm trying to think, what are people thinking as they hear this? And they're they're probably thinking, okay, so I create this vision, I. I allow it to um, to manifest. I become more open, um, and then you know things are going to come to me, and I do my thing. Now, what was the thing that the CEO said you were so good at? Uh, marketing in my marketing. industry. I'm so I'm I'm an expert in my industry of workers' compensation. So he's like, you're the biggest um, and most popular person in the industry and I know how to run businesses I, I we can start this other business that's in the same industry so you're really good at that and I was really good at that however I was very stuck on how to grow my existing business and I was working seven days a week and I was working long days and addicted to work too so what I what I write about in the book is is okay so I created the vision and then I took action right so people are wondering oh yes it sounds really easy but in reality I created the vision of, of having a three million dollar plus business and then I signed up for coaching I got business coaching so that really changed my life so I'm here I am trying to grow a business but I'm growing it from what I know and I don't know anything about businesses right that's the hard way to do it so I hired a business coach and I invested in that. And I, then I started showing up to other training programs, like people that watch podcasts, like that's what they're doing, right? Now, probably that's what I would have been doing back then, but that was not available. So I was showing up physically, learning how to um, get sales up, learning how to um, manage my money. I was taking classes. So I educated myself on all of those areas. And the area of having the love of my life I made a list of what I wanted in the man. They said 10 things, I put 12. And then out of the, the 10 things, I looked at that and I'm like, oh, wow, I want that. Then I need to work on myself. Like, can I attract that person? You know what they say, uh, to attract great, you have to become great. And that's what I did. I started working on myself. I took a dating one-on-one class. <laughs> I hired a relationship coach. I took more personal development and I started praying for it and, and envisioning it. And that's how I got that. Uh, so I did take action. It wasn't like I created the vision and then I just sat back and didn't do anything. I made myself a conduit to receive these miracles. My sisters, okay, we're fighting. You know, you have decades of, of drama and trauma and gossip and hurting. And you just think that that's just the way it is. It, it is not the way it is. You can change that. And so before I was a victim and now I'm empowered, guess what? I get phone calls. And if the person on the phone is angry with me for some reason, I'm listening for what's behind that anger. And I want to make that person happy. And that person usually is one of my siblings. <laughs> I'll give you an example too. So just recently, my sister called me and I was really busy at a retreat. And I was missing her calls and she, she texted me. Don't, I said, I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm at this retreat. I'll give you a call back. And she said, don't bother calling me back. You're not more important than, than us. 
right? So she got triggered somehow. And I could have responded. I mean, and she used curse words, right? I could have responded with, you're being disrespectful to me and gotten angry with her over that. And everybody would be in agreement with me about it. And, we, and, and I responded. I looked at it and I thought, I took a moment and I, I said, okay, who is this person to me? This is my sister and I love her. And I, want, I don't want her to be upset. And I responded to her and I said, sis, you matter a lot to me. You're important. I'm at a retreat. My reception is really bad. I'm done by Monday. I promise you, I'm going to call you back. I love you. That's it. That's how I responded. So that's how I started to change the dynamics with my, my family, with changing the reaction. I can't change them, but I can change the way I react. And I started to put some space in between my reactions so that I can choose what is best for me? What is best in this scenario that's going to make this go from a level 10 to a level one, you know, and then become? And I completely became like this, like, look at how I'm dressed, even like a yogi. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different life. I used to be tough and, and, and I can fight. And I'm intimidating and I'm mean and criticizing and judgmental. And I could be all those things back then. I'm none of that now. And I'm so grateful to not be that person anymore because I wasn't that nice. Well, you came from an area where being nice got you hurt, right? Uh, you had to be tough. You had to show a tough side. So it's totally understandable. But now you've pivoted so beautifully. Um, so... Give me a bit of a timeline. You were 36, you took this landmark course, you started to work on yourself, and you're, I guess, 49 today, if I do my math right. Um, <laughs> when when did you when did your your revenue start to go up? When did you meet um, this gentleman? Are you still with this gentleman? No, we've moved on. I have other investments now, and um, that that was definitely the stepping stone, and I'm really appreciative of that. Right. So as you grow and as you expand and as you become spiritual and, and so on and so forth, um, you know, some things are with us for a chapter of our life, some people. Right. And so you expand and grow. Um, and so walk me a little bit through that timeline, how things happen over that, say, that 13 year period. I create this vision that I told you about, right? I'm 36 years old. I have yeah. a business partner at the time, a female. It's just her and I. And we said to ourselves, let's start a business. And as long as we can cover all our basic bills, we'd be happy. We'd be our own owners, right? We're our own bosses. And we were making $4,000 a month for five years. And we didn't know this, but we created that because we said, all we wanted was $4,000. And guess what? That's all we got. We did. We never made more money than that. Once I created the vision and I hired a business coach, she's like, okay, you've been making the same amount of money for five years. It's remarkable. Good for you. But now let's take it to another level. And I created a vision for what I wanted my business to look like 10 years from now. So I said, and I always create from the best case scenario and from miracles, right? Because if I had said all these crazy things without attaching it to a miracle, uh, I, I think my, my mind would shrink it and would say it would be scary. 
So I use this tool for me. There are people that can dream big. It, that For me, even dreaming was a new thing. I realized I never dreamt. I always made plans and they were always within my means. I never had like a dream where I can say, hey, you know, I'm going to get on a plane and take my kids to Florida, to Disney World, and then we're going to take a cruise. I never, I never did that. If I ever wanted if, if I ever was inspired, I'd say something like, I'll, one day I'll take the kids to Disneyland, which is 15 minutes from my house, and because based on what I thought was possible. Right. So I was very reasonable. And that's what most people do, Rock. They're very reasonable, right? Well, you have to get unreasonable. Like, there's no reason why not. Like, completely change your vocabulary. And that's the kind of work that I started to do. I started to change vocabulary and started to use miracles and bigger, you know, those words that open up possibility versus other words that are fear, that trigger fear and trigger your brain to shut down and say, that's not, that's not true. You know, that, that voice that we hear in our heads. What I did is I created the vision for my business and I said that I wanted to be the largest center for injured workers in California. And I wanted to have 26 locations, 26 locations because there's 26 courthouses in California for injured workers to litigate their cases. So I became very, uh, very detail oriented with my vision. That was a huge vision. I only had one office at the time. And my business partner didn't like the vision because as soon as you create the vision, then guess what happened? I opened the, the second location and then the third location was coming. And at that time, she said, no, you know what? You're overwhelming me. I just want to stay small and you want to grow big. So I, I don't want to be in business with you. And that was a very nice version of what I'm what had really happened. But that's what happened. She got very uncomfortable that the business was growing. She didn't want it to grow. So we broke up. Fast forward, we've been I've been in business now 10 years on my own. I'm the number one center for injured workers in California. And she is small and, and still in the business, but she's very small and exactly where she said she wanted to be. So we both had our visions manifest. So it's, it's quite remarkable to create a vision and then see if you are going to get enter into a partnership that both people have the same vision. Wow. Beautiful. Congratulations. So <clears throat> I've had, you know, I have my story of my childhood and I still today bump up against um, triggers, memories, uh, things that uh, make me feel uh, not included or, not appreciated, whatever the case may be. What are some of the things that, that for you, because you had a very, very, I call them triple E's, extreme emotional events. When you have those events, there's like a fuse that goes off in your brain and says, I never want to be in a room with a gun. Uh, I never want to uh, be poor again. And, and we move away from those things and we create the opposite as a way to keep ourselves safe. What are some of the things going on in your world today that you're still working on? Well, I know that most of us use strategies that we learn as children to solve our adult problems. And what I do is I become very present to what age am I acting? And is this true? And this is real. I have uh, an ability to, if something feels heavy, I feel that that's a lie. And if something's light, then that's the truth. So if somebody's coming at me and it feels like I'm not safe, is it heavy? You know, and if it's heavy, is it true? And then I analyze it and I'm like, no, this person is safe. 
They're not trying to attack me. This is something that's coming up from inside of me. And I check myself. So that's what I do. You know, that's the, people say, check yourself. <laughs> I check myself and I listen to my, to my body. And if it feels heavy, it's usually a lie that you're telling yourself. That is one of the biggest things that I do to regulate how I'm feeling. And even like a lot of times, like my sister, for instance, just recently, I, I travel a lot and my sister, we're in a family chat with other sisters and some cousins. And she says, you know, you better stop traveling because you're going to get COVID. And how I heard her in my you know, listening of her is that she was like, you, you, know, you better stop traveling. Like she was judging me and like she's uh, not approving of me. Right. That was my initial in instinct that she's rejecting me. And so I, I saw the text and I felt that in my body and then I felt heavy. And then I said to myself, okay, who is this person? That's my sister. She loves me. She's, she's loved me all my life. She was, she's my older sister. So I gave her the benefit of the doubt and I responded and I said to her, sis, I know you love me and I'm safe. I promise you, this is what I do to keep myself safe. You know, don't worry. I'm, I'm going to be fine. You know, and that's how I responded. She might might as well be on the other side of the phone going like, I'm not even trying to tell you I love you, you know, <laughs> but I chose to 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 react that way. And it's like the most beautiful expression. I felt so good about myself that I am. I'm, I'm coming from love. I don't want to come from fear of rejection and like, you know, all of these things that that I have been in the past. And rock, you know, when you're around your family, like those are the biggest triggers that you get. Right. Because because you're on automatic default, your brain has sees them and then automatically has a way of being that's over 40 years way of being, which is a disempowered way of being no fault of theirs. It's my brain that's doing that. Right. I have one sister that I look at her and I crave tequila. <laughs> I'm like, okay, she's coming over. We're going to take out the tequila. Like we have this automatic way of being with each other. So what I, I, I do, I check myself and I, and I give everybody the benefit of the doubt that the way they're behaving has nothing to do with me. And lately I've been practicing meditation and that's really changing my life in a whole another level that's unrecognizable to me. A little pause before you respond is definitely sage advice because sometimes we just go into that default mode, as you said, or often I find. So now going forward, what's in store for you? I'm writing my second book. Uh, my, you know, I share in the book that my mom was a fugitive for five years before going to prison. Mm -hmm. And I don't share a lot of details about that in that book. So the second book is going to have a lot of that experience of her uh, being on the run and then the, how she was parenting from prison mm -hmm. and how our lives were. Plus, I mean, and also in between that, like her whole, the, the process of her going to trial, that is a, a, a lot of details were missing from the first book. So that's going to be in the second book. Is she still what? alive? No, unfortunately, my mom died two years after she was released from prison, deported to Mexico, and then she died in Mexico two years after that. Yeah, she had a brutal, brutally intense life. Yes, she did. And for a long time, I judged her and I thought that 
she she made she chose she was uh, choosing bad you know bad yeah. decisions i'm like okay mom there's two roads here this one is a is has alligators tigers and bears and this one is a golden brick road choose and she'd stand there and think about it and she'd say okay this one yeah and i didn't understand that and i would be angry about that but in reality now that i know what i know she could do no other Right. right. That's familiar. And your yeah. brain wants to be familiar, even at the expense of your own self. It doesn't make yeah. any sense, but it is the truth. And so now my mom is gone and I have a lot of compassion for her and, and, and I don't have any story around her and she's resting in peace. And when she died, yeah. I felt that she was resting in peace. Yeah, I want to point out for the listeners what you just said there, because after decades of personal development, I have shifted. We, you know, in this genre of work, a lot of people talk about, you know, you're stuck in your comfort zone and and you're comfortable with that. And I've changed it to you're familiar with it because you're not necessarily comfortable with alligators and and machine guns. You're just so familiar with it that you're drawn back to it because of that if you were poor you might stay poor unless you break through right if you're with somebody that beats you you might be attracted to that because that's what your system is familiar with so i love the fact that you have that distinction i think it's key for people is you will stay stuck with what you had in your past your past will become your future unless you choose to grow Yes, exactly. And um, I remember also, Rock, somebody asked me, if you were a cookie, what kind of cookie would you be? <laughs> yeah. And I said, well, I'd be a tough cookie because I grew up in this bad neighborhood where I had to defend myself all the time. And then the person says to me, yeah, but you're not living there anymore. Why are you a tough cookie today? And Rock, I was like, oh, my God, that's true. Why am I... Why am I experiencing life like I'm there, like I'm protecting myself? I don't have to be a tough cookie. I could be a soft, chewy cookie, warm, loving cookie. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I've been changing. I've been working on myself and then everything changes. My, my luck changes, you can call that. Um, you know, your aura changes, your way of mm -hmm. being changes. People want to be around you. People want to invite you into their lives, into their opportunities. And life gets so great. I mean, today I had a call with um, Sugar Ray Leonard's son about a project. He sought me out. I, I'm, I'm just a space for possibility and greatness and people want to be around that and invite me into their projects. Yesterday, I was contacted by a, a TV news anchor over a project that she's uh, participating in, inviting me into that project. And then I got a TV appearance out of that, which is fantastic. So it's just from the space that I'm that I'm becoming and, and it's evolving always. Right now, I, I, as I mentioned, the meditation, in the meditation, I get very heart-centered. And what I want to do is, is make choices coming from my heart and not decisions that come from my head because my head wants to keep me safe. And your heart is just all love and everything is possible. Mm -hmm. And that's been one of the greatest and biggest changes that are happening to me right now. I want more unfamiliar. I want to play in the unknown. That's where mm -hmm. all the magic happens. Yes, yes. Oh my God, Hazel. Ortega, what a beautiful soul you are. What a great story you have. And so beautiful to see somebody that 
has really um, found a way to recreate themselves because so many people struggle with um, staying stuck, right? And and reliving the story, believing the story, um, not breaking free from their environments, uh, and and staying that tough cookie in you know in marshmallow land, and it's not necessary, right? So totally. great, great Life metaphor. Is- Life is easy, and I was making it very hard. Mm-hmm. We, we, we can all have it easy. That's why in the book I have 15 lessons. Uh, I also, because of the demand of, you know, I wrote the book, and then people started asking me for coaching, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not coaching, so I wrote the book. And then from the book, they, now they, they still want that, right? So I created um, a course called Open Up to Miracles, and it's videos and that's available. And I made it really affordable because I want the masses to have it. Right. I didn't give it away for free because you know what they say, if you don't pay, you don't pay attention. Right. So it's like only $97. And it's like my book in action with worksheets. I A lot of people have gone through it. They invite their daughters to do it with them, their friends. It's it's my contribution to the world and you know keeping families together and you know, I want to, I don't want children to suffer anymore. And I think that happy people change the world. Yeah. hundred percent. I want to thank you so much for joining us on rock your money, rock your life podcast. And we'll have you back because your story is going to continue and change and you're going to be in movies and on TV and on cool spots. And uh, we're going to follow your story so that we can update people on it. And just thank you so much for joining us. What an honor. Thank you, Rock. So, What a brilliant, beautiful episode on Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life podcast. I'm thrilled to have had, you know, you here, Hazel. And if you like this, make sure to give us a nice review and share this with your friends so that they can hear this story. They can be inspired that they don't have to have a difficult life. They can have an easy life. They can change it. They can be a marshmallow. They don't have to be a tough cookie. And they can live a beautiful life. So we'll see you in the next episode. So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us on the next episode.